Good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Brett. I want to welcome everyone today. God is so good. He's so faithful. He shows up every time. It blows me away. He shows up every time. Uh, welcome, welcome, everyone online. Um, <clears throat> we never uh, gave Pastor Mandy a, a chance to talk here this morning. That was my fault. But um, uh, we had a kind of a smaller group uh, this week at, at VBS, and we still had five kids except Jesus as their Lord and Savior at VBS. And so thank you for praying into that. Thank you, Pastor Mandy and her team, for all the, all the hard work uh, that you guys put into that. Appreciate that very much. Um, we have, uh, we're actually just finishing up a series here today on stewardship, and uh, I just want to kind of go over some of the main ideas real quick that we've had in this series. The first one being, and, and I think one of the most important, is to understand that God is the owner and we are the managers. Is that right? God is the owner, we are the managers, we need to learn how to trust the ownership. Amen? And follow the manual that he left us so we know how to be good stewards. Second one is this, God doesn't want your money, God wants your heart. The Bible says we can only serve one master. We're going to love one, hate the other, be loyal to one, or despise and despise the other. Right? So when we're teaching our kids to love money, we're not just teaching them to love money, we're teaching them to despise God. That's a little heavy for an introduction. <laughs> okay, but I think part of why God asks us to give is, is, is to protect us from making money an idol. Number three is you can't outgive God. How many of you know that's true? You can't outgive God. Don't hesitate in your generosity. Number four, 90% of money blessed by God is going to go much further than 100% of our money that's under a curse, that spirit of mammon. Okay, and then lastly, we talked about seven practices to managing money God's way. Seven practices. How many of you here have been here for all uh, four of the, the messages Okay, so quite a few of you. Okay, well, I've got a, a Tim Hortons card here for anyone that can stand up and say those seven practices. <laughs> Tim Hortons card, seven practices. Any takers? Okay. My thing's... Any takers? What if you want to give a try, Donna? No, that is Donna... You know what? We're trying to do something here. Come on. Okay, how about this? Who wants to say, stand up and say some of them? I'll give you a card for that. And I'll give a card for the person who can say the rest of them. How about that? Go for it, Donna. Get out of debt was one, yeah. Make a budget. Okay, I'm going to say that's the same as the make a budget. Stick to the plan, okay? 
Okay, we did say that. That's not one of the... Well, I mean, yes, that is one of the ways to, to manage my... That's not one of the seven that we talked about. Okay, so you've got two. That's not bad. That's not bad. Give her a hand. Okay. Corey Bamer, would you like to try and say the rest? Are you, well... Well, why don't you try first without reading? What's left? Bring the first. Give them the first. No, you're doing fantastic. Help her out. Live below your means. Yeah. That took me a long time to learn that one. <laughs> Live below your means. Pay. Oh, buy. Sorry. Don't buy now, pay later. Good one. Yes. Good one. Anyone else want to help her with the last two? Yeah. Yeah, that was the get out of debt. Right? Stop using your credit card while you're trying to get out of debt. Okay? That does not work. You have to trust me on that one. Okay, there was also save. And then the last one was bring the tithe. We don't give the tithe. We bring it because why? It's already his, right? It's not ours. Good job. Okay, Isaiah, could you hand these to Donna and Corey for me? Good job. Thanks. Give them a hand. Good job. Okay, and the main idea today is that our stewardship impacts eternity. Our stewardship actually impacts eternity. Not just what we do here on earth, but it has eternal significance. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew 6 verses 19 to 21. Okay, this is kind of be our, our theme verse here for, for today. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen here for you. It says, Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will also be, will be also. So in this scripture, Jesus is helping us understand that what we do here in this life on earth is going to impact eternity. That we can actually store up treasure in heaven based on what we do here, okay? And Paul explains how we can store up treasure in heaven in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, we will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So first of all, in this scripture, let's understand who Paul's talking to. Because sometimes when we see the word rich, we think, oh, he's talking about someone else. Do you ever, do you ever think that way? Okay. We need to first understand that he's talking to us. Do you know that, that there's, a, and these stats are maybe a few years old now, but there's about 3 billion people in the world, 40% of our world, lives on $2 a day or less. 40% of our world, $2 a day. Do you know that 71% of our world lives on $10 a day or less? $10 a day. If you make more than $3,265 a year, you're already in the top 29% of the wealthiest people in the world. And did you know that if your household makes over $32,000 a year, your household, that you're actually in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world? Who's Paul talking to? <laughs> He's talking to us, okay? And what Paul is saying here is that when we do things that honor God, and when we're cheerful givers and we live unselfishly, that we store up treasure, right? Another way to say to be generous and willing to share is be a good steward of what God has entrusted to you. Essentially, Paul's saying that our stewardship stores up treasure in heaven. Our stewardship influences eternity. Isn't that amazing? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you, God, for showing up. I thank you for being here. I thank you for loving on us. I thank you, God, that you make it so that when we try to worship you and we try to honor you and glorify you, that you minister to us and you love on us. So we thank you for that today, Lord. And God, I just pray that, that we're just going to be able to hear your word today. And I just pray that you just can... Can, can dust off any wrong attitudes that we might have coming in here about, about money or stewardship or those kind of things, God, and, and that we're just going to be open to the word of God today, the written word and that rhema word, that specific word that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each one of us today. I pray we're going to hear that voice today. In Jesus' name, all of you, Lord, and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6 here talks about two different treasures. Right? One is an earthly treasure. Money, riches, material possessions. We're warned to not try to accumulate these things. It's not about storing up those things. Okay? Is it wrong to have those things? Are those things evil? Absolutely not. Okay? But it's our heart, right? We're, we're warned to not try to store those up. Why? Because they don't last and they can be taken away. Okay? But then there's also another treasure, a heavenly treasure. 
It's secure. It's protected. It's a treasure that we should value more than any treasure on this planet. Okay? It's a treasure that we're encouraged to strive for, to store up, to make deposits. We're encouraged to gather that treasure and grow that treasure, the heavenly treasure, okay? So right away, we can know that that means that money and riches and material possessions, that's not the real treasure. That's not the real treasure, right? Because that treasure is going to pass away. Look at Proverbs 18, 10, and 11. The Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. The rich man thinks of his wealth as an impregnable defense, a high wall of, of safety. What a dreamer. What a dreamer. Right? So we don't strive for worldly treasure, but God entrusts it to us for his glory. He entrusts it to us to build his kingdom for his purposes. And as a result of that stewardship of what he entrusts to us, we store up real treasure in heaven, the kind of treasure that man can't take away, that's untouchable. And that's going to last forever. Look at Luke 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6 and verse 24. But woe, judgment is coming to you who are rich and place your faith in possessions while remaining spiritually impoverished. For you're already receiving your comfort in full and there's nothing left to be awarded to you. See, if our goal, our ultimate goal in this life is to be rich and, and gather possessions, then that's gonna be our only reward for the few years that we can actually enjoy it. But if, our, our, if we use worldly riches to honor God, then we can expect eternal rewards, the kind of rewards that will last forever. And like we've said all throughout this series, it all comes back to the heart. Who or what do you love? Because if you love money, then, then, then material things and money, that's going to be the treasure that we strive for. That's what we're going to serve. And everything that we do in this life is going to be in selfishness. And it's going to have zero impact on eternity. But if we love God, then he is our treasure. For how many of you is God your treasure? He's the strong fortress. He's the one that we run to, amen? And then we use money to serve him and everything we do in this life is in generosity. And we're gonna have tremendous impact in eternity. Verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your heart is always going to follow your treasure. If your money is your treasure, then your heart is going to be here. And it's going to remain here. But if your heart is for God, your treasure is in heaven, and your heart will be where your treasure is. If you would like your heart 
to be in the kingdom of God. Put your treasure there. Your heart's going to follow. Some, say, some people might say, you know, I just, Pastor, I just don't have a heart for the local church. <laughs> That's okay. Just give, and you're going to have a heart for the local church. I, I, just don't have a, I just don't have a heart for missions. You know, when the missionaries come and they show the slideshow, and I just, I don't have a heart for that. That's okay. Give to missions, and your heart's going to follow. I'll tell you right now that when you buy groceries and you take them to that community fridge and you see the people that are there and you meet them and you see their need and they thank you, they're so grateful that you've bought these groceries, that you're giving them this food, I promise you your heart's going to follow your, your treasure. I promise you. There's an important scripture here in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Actually, it's all important scripture. This is important to what I'm talking about, though. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 to 18. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. I wonder if we've ever thought that before. But God says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. God wants to confirm his covenant with you. That's why he gives you an ability to produce wealth. Genesis chapter 16, God made a covenant. He made a promise with Abraham. It was a promise of provision and blessing and protection. And ultimately, it was a covenant of love. And giving his people an opportunity to produce wealth helps to confirm that covenant. That word confirm means authenticate and verify and prove. How many of you know we got a new covenant in Jesus Christ? But how many of you know it's still a covenant of love? Right? And the way that God confirms that covenant is when his people use the wealth that he gives them the ability to produce to verify the gospel. That God gives his people the ability and the power to make money to prove Jesus to this lost world. This is the purpose of our money. Yes, he wants to confirm his covenant by providing for us. Absolutely. But the purpose of God giving us money, the purpose why he, he entrusts us with resources is to fill heaven. Our stewardship of his money should confirm his covenant, his promise, his love, and it should point people to Jesus. We are to use money to make eternal Friends, you know, Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 16, and I've ever heard very few people talk about this story in my life, but he talks about this accountant that's about to lose his job. How many of you are familiar with this story? He's about to lose his job, and, and so he's worried about his future. 
He's worried that he's not going to be able to be provided for in the future without a job. And so what this accountant does, he goes to all the people that have a debt with his boss. And he tears up their debt. And he says, you know what, I'm going to make your, your debts 100 bucks. I'm going to make it 10 bucks." And he lowers all the debts of all these people. And the reason he does that is because he's trying to gain favor with these people so that when he's out of a job and he doesn't have provision, that these people are going to welcome him into their home and help provide for him. And look what Jesus says in verse 9. And I tell you, learn from this. Make friends for yourself for eternity by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. That is, use material resources as a way to further the work of God so that when it runs out, they'll welcome you into the eternal dwellings. Jesus is saying that we should use the money that God's given us to bring people to Jesus. To make friends for yourself means to make disciples, to make brothers and sisters in Christ. So this scripture is really saying, use earthly riches and material things to win people for Christ. And when you die and when you go to heaven, all those people that came to Jesus on your dime, they're going to be standing at heaven's gate. And they're going to welcome you in to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you know that when we're in heaven, how many of you know that actually when we get saved, we get the mind of Christ? And how many of you know that, we're, that when we're in heaven, that that mind of Christ is going to be in full effect? And we're going to know exactly who got us there. Hallelujah. And so that person that's on the other side of the world, they're going to know specifically who it was that financed their Bible to be written in their language so that they could hear and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, that, that person that first came to know the love of God through the people at Gentle Hands Orphanage in the Philippines, they're going to know who is obedient to the call of God to give. And those five kids that accepted the Lord this week, they're going to know who financed VBS who gave to King's Corner, who gave to Kids Ministry, they're going to know. We need to understand we're not just throwing money in an offering plate. We're not just fulfilling some religious obligation. But we're making eternal friends. Hallelujah. And we're filling heaven. Hallelujah. And oh, what a day that's going to be. I kind of picture it like, like, you know, surprise, a sports illustration coming on. I, I kind of picture it like when a championship team returns home and they're coming off the plane 
and there's thousands of fans gathered at the airport. And as soon as they see them, what are they doing? They're cheering and shouting and jumping. They're so excited. They're so proud. They can't wait to receive them. And that's just for bringing a trophy home. What's the reaction going to be for the people that you help bring to their eternal home? They're going to be jumping out of their shoes. And then there'll be a receiving line, like at a wedding, I think. And as you enter into glory, each person gets to welcome you and thank you for what you did. Wow! Wow! Is there anything better to spend our money on than filling heaven? Amen? You know, we really need to change our thinking about money. I'm on my third point in case I'm not, I'm not making it as structured today, but this is my third point, okay? But we really need to change our thinking about money. Usually we think about money for, for our assignment in this life, in this life only, right? Our, our first assignment is this first 120 years we have on earth, or for some people it's going to be less than that, obviously, Okay, but, but what we usually do is, is we, we think of, of the, and, and we spend thousands of dollars to, to go to school so that we can have a good job and we can, we can prepare for our 30, 40 year career so we can raise a family and then we can help our kids have lives of their own and we got, we're trying to plan to make sure we got enough money so we can comfortably retire. Is that, is that typically what we, we think of with our money, right? Kind of the purpose of our money. But how many of you know that Jesus is coming back? (laughs) And our next assignment, our next assignment after this 120 years, when Jesus comes back, is a thousand year reign with Jesus on the new earth. A thousand years, right? Talks about in Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation chapter 20, I'm not going to read them for time's sake, but the things that we do in this first assignment, our stewardship in this first assignment, our generosity, our unselfishness, how we love God and how we love people with our money is going to significantly impact our next assignment. We need to be eternally minded. Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So we need to be more mindful about the treasure we're storing in heaven because it's going to impact our next thousand years. The treasure that we have here is not going to last past our last breath. Whenever that is. And that assignment, that next assignment begins at the judgment seat of Christ. How many of you are familiar with the judgment seat of Christ? Some of you are. So that judgment seat of Christ, that's actually for believers. That's that's where believers 
Christians, people who have given their heart to Jesus, that judge, that's, those people are going to stand before Jesus at that time. Romans 14, 10 to 12 says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus is talking to the church or he's talking to Christians. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. So every believer, we're all going to stand before Jesus and we're going to give an account. Now that word judgment, it's the Greek word bema, okay? And so um, the bema was a platform for a judge where a judge sat and to give out rewards and judgments. So it was a place of evaluation and designation. Okay, did you ever catch that? The Bema seat is evaluation and designation. It was taken from the ancient Greek uh, athletic games where athletes competed for, for rewards. And out, while they were competing, they were always under the scrutiny of the judges. And after the games were completed, they'd come and they'd stand on the platform called Bema. And the judge would place crowns on their heads for those who fought well. And within the rules, they received rewards. This is a picture of the judgment seat, the Bema seat of Christ. The Bema seat is going to be a place of evaluation of our works as believers. And then Jesus will reward us for them. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we believers will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid for what was done has been done in the body, whether good or bad. We're going to talk about the good and bad. That is, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. Doesn't that sound like stewardship? So Jesus is closely watching our words and our, our conversations and our actions and how we spend our time and how we spend our money and how we use all the opportunities that he gives us. He, we're under that, that, the eye of God, that's, that's the scrutiny of the Lord. Okay, and then he's going to test those actions, those works with fire. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to the light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So some of our works are going to be gold and silver and precious stones. They're going to produce those. Okay? And so these are all the things that we've done out of our love for Jesus. That were done for the glory of God. Okay, and those will survive the test of fire, and Jesus is going to reward us for those. Those are the good. 
right? But then some of our works are going to produce wood, hay, and straw. And so these are all the things that we've done for our glory. We've done them um, outside of God's will or outside of God's word. They might have been with good intentions, but they were outside of his will. Or they might be according to his word, but they were done with wrong intentions. Okay? And so that's going to produce the, the wood and the hay and the straw. And how many of you know wood, hay, and straw don't do too well with fire? So those actions, those are going to be burnt up. And there's going to be no reward for those. But please understand the good and the bad. The bad is not sin. Our sin is gone. It's removed as far as east is from west. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. That's not the Bema seat. It's the great white throne of judgment where people will be judged for their works outside of the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is going to bring to light our life's work and reveal all the things we did that were honoring to him and all those things we've done for Jesus out of love. Those are going to be rewarded. It's, it's so hard for us to understand and imagine the rewards. But, but there's, there's various kinds of rewards, and I'm almost through. Uh, <clears throat> there's, there's five different crowns that, that are going to be given. There's heavenly garments that are going to be given. I believe there's authority and responsibility that's going to be given for the next thousand years with Jesus. Okay? But, but don't try to understand the rewards in our, our carnal mind. Okay? Because it's not going to make sense, right? Like, like I think, okay, crowns are cool. I don't know if I want to wear one. You know what I mean? Or like heavenly garments, that might really get some people excited. You're going to get some new digs. Do the kids still say digs? No. Pastor Phil, no? <laughs> I'm not cool. And <clears throat> so, you know, in my mind, in my carnal mind, I, don't, I can't get excited about that. But, but we can't judge the rewards that way because they're going to be so far beyond what we can imagine. They're going to be so extravagant and so wonderful and so just, we're just going to be in awe of them. It's kind of like our, our carnal minds trying to comprehend heaven, right? That's why we've got so many commercials of people sitting on clouds eating cream cheese. <laughs> because, we, because that's as far as our, our minds go. How many of you know that heaven is going to be glorious? But we're going to be in awe of these rewards. Have you ever been, been in awe of someone's generosity before where someone did something for you and it was just so gracious and so unexpected and so wonderful? You're just like, I can't believe they did this for me. I'm, I'm in awe of their generosity. I think it's going to be like that times a million. We're just going to be in awe. We're going to be in awe of his grace 
and his love and his mercy. We're going to be in awe of these gifts, these rewards. Because we don't earn these rewards. Please don't hear that. But these rewards come out of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And they're going to far out see, out, out exceed. They're going to far exceed our expectations. First Corinthians says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Hallelujah. So I just want to close with this. Your giving matters. It has eternal significance. Remember that the real treasure is in heaven. Make eternal friends with your money. Use your money to win people to Jesus. Be mindful of your next assignment. Amen. I'm going to invite our worship team forward at this time. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to, we start our, our service in worship and we end our service in worship. And the idea of this last song is we want to give people a chance to worship God again, but also to respond. Just respond to whatever God's doing in your heart. This is time between you and the Lord. But I want to encourage you to engage Him during this time. So you can stand, you can sit, you can come to the altar, but, but let's, let's engage the Lord now.